You're listening to a sermon from Plus Life, a church that exists to see lives changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that you will be stirred in your heart and renewed in your mind as you hear the preaching of God's word today. If you take your seats, please tell someone the title of my sermon this morning, Sheep and Wolves. Sheep and Wolves. Well, good morning, church. It's my pleasure to be with you here today as we gather together in worship and reflect on God's Word. Sorry to hear about the Leafs game last night. It was a terrible loss. What a disappointment to uh, the end of a series and the end of the playoffs for us. How tragic, but you know, Jesus is still king. (laughs) An early happy Mother's Day to all our amazing mothers in the church. Let's give it up for our mothers. We celebrate you all, and we thank you for all that you do for your families, for the church, and for our community. Your love and your dedication and sacrifice do not go unnoticed, and so we love you, um, and we're grateful for the way that you serve as an example of God's shining love in our lives. On this day, we honor you, and we pray that God's continued blessings and grace be upon your lives, and thank you for all that you do. And may you feel the love and appreciation of those around you today, tomorrow, and always. It's always so encouraging to see our mothers here and bringing their children in uh, to church and to raising their kids in the fear of the Lord. In fact, I have so so many memories of my own mother doing the same for, for myself and for my brother. She would bring us to church and she was a prayer warrior and really just doing it all being a soccer mom and always taking our brother and I to soccer practices or swimming practices and feeding us whatever we wanted and taking us to wherever we wanted to go. And so praise God for her and kudos to her for having to put up with us needy children. And as a young child, I remember being, begging my mom and nagging my mom, wanting to go to the Toronto Zoo. I was so fascinated by animals, and I kept nagging and nagging and nagging, and finally she gave in. And I remembered going there and being amazed and fascinated by all the different species of animals, but there was one animal in particular that always left a significant impression. And I remember seeing these wolves, and they were in an enclosure, and they were beautiful animals. You know, they had this thick fur, and they had these piercing eyes, but There was something that was always a little unsettling about them. As we watched, there was a zookeeper that actually came by and and came over to talk to us, and he was explaining about the wolves' behaviors. He explained that they were social animals, but he told us not to get too close to the enclosure because the, the wolves would feel danger and they would feel threatened. They're fiercely territorial, he explained. And this reminds me of Jesus' warning in our passage this morning to beware of false teachers who can be like wolves in sheep's clothing. And just like the wolves at the zoo, false teachers can appear beautiful and they can appear enticing, but their teachings can be dangerous and they can be harmful to us. And so we need to be cautious and use discernment, evaluating their fruit and testing their teachings against the truth of God's word. And so I pray 
that we may always be watchful, not allowing ourselves to be led astray by false teachers who seek to deceive us. Now, before I get into the meat of my message, I wanted to provide a brief explanation, a brief brief context and purpose of Matthew's gospel. The gospel of Matthew is the first book in the New Testament, and it was written by Apostle Matthew, who is also known as Levi, and he was a former tax collector and was a disciple of Jesus. This book was believed to have been written between 70 and 80 AD, likely from Antioch, Syria. That's where it was written. And Matthew's gospel was written primarily for a Jewish audience to demonstrate that Jesus was indeed, in fact, the promised Messiah and the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. Matthew presents Jesus as the king of the Jews, and he emphasizes in the gospel Jesus' teachings and miracles as proof for his divine authority. And so throughout the gospel, Matthew quotes extensively from the Old Testament to show that Jesus fulfills all these prophecies. He also records Jesus' teachings in this book, and he, he, he goes into ethical issues and moral issues that Jesus addresses. He includes the details about Jesus' birth, his life, his death, and resurrection. And he also goes into the Great Commission, where we're called to go and make disciples of all nations. And so overall, the Gospel of Matthew serves as an authoritative testimony of the life and teachings and redemptive work of Jesus. And it continues to be a significant source of spiritual insight and guidance for us Christians today. And so as we consider the purpose and the audience of Matthew's gospel, it becomes clear that the issue of false teachers would have been particularly relevant and important for Matthew's readers. Throughout the gospel of Matthew, he highlights the importance of right teaching and sound doctrine, as well as the dangers of false teaching and false teachers. And in our passage, Jesus gives a direct warning about false teachers, urging his followers to beware of them and to discern their true nature by their fruits. This warning is not only relevant for Matthew's original audience, but it also continues to be relevant to us today as we seek to follow Jesus and as we seek to discern truth from error in a world that is filled with competing voices and competing teachings. And so let's look at the historical and the cultural background of this situation in Jesus' time and the characteristics of wolves. You know, during this time, during this time, the people of Israel were living under Roman occupation. There were many different types of uh, uh, different religions and different philosophical movements, and they were all trying to influence people and, and, and gain followers. And among these various groups were Jewish teachers and leaders who claimed to have this special or this secret knowledge of authority when it came to interpreting the scriptures. And Jesus found himself often in conflict with these groups, particularly the Pharisees and the scribes. You know, we, we learned about this in our Gospel of John series, where Jesus is always butting heads. 
They were known for their legalism and their rigid adherence to tradition. And these leaders were highly respected in Jewish society, and often they had significant amount of influence on people, making it important for Jesus to warn his followers about false teachers. And this metaphor about wolves in our passage has been familiar in Jesus' audience because wolves were a common threat to flocks of sheep. They were known to be cunning and predatory in nature. They're often preying on the weak and on the vulnerable, and they would sometimes even disguise themselves by mingling in with the flock before attacking. And likewise, false teachers in Jesus' time were known for their ability to deceive and mislead, and often presenting themselves as authoritative while secretly promoting their own agendas or leading people astray. You know, they would have appeared outwardly righteous or pious, but their true nature cannot be discerned by their fruits. So in this context, Jesus is warning to beware of false teachers and to discern them by their fruits was a crucial message for his followers, helping them to, be, to, to avoid being led astray by those who claimed to be guides but were actually wolves in sheep's clothing. So as we take a look and as we analyze Jesus' warning about false prophets and the consequences of following them, we can see that Jesus issues a stern warning to his followers about these false prophets and the potential to lead people astray. Right? He describes these people as wolves in sheep's clothing. They appear outwardly righteous. They claim to be followers of God, but they're actually dangerous. They're actually deceitful. And so he, dis he emphasizes the importance of discernment. He urges his followers to beware of these false prophets, to recognize them by their fruits. In other words, he's saying it's not enough for someone to just claim to be a prophet or a teacher. They must also demonstrate the character and conduct that aligns with that claim. Right? Don't just put up a pastor on a pedestal just because they're a pastor. More often or not, they're going to disappoint you because they're human. Validate their character and their conduct with their claims. You know, the consequences of following false prophets can be severe. As Jesus warns that they could lead people down a destructive path. You know, he compares them to trees that produce bad fruit, indicating that their teachings or their actions will ultimately result in harm or corruption. And Jesus' warning to to, uh, to us about false prophets is a timeless message that continues to be relevant to us today, right? In a world that's filled with competing voices and teachings, it's important for us to be discerning and to carefully evaluate the teachings and claims of those who influence us. So we have to be aware of the potential consequences of following false teachers, and both for us and for those around us, right? By seeking to follow Jesus, discerning truth from error, we can avoid the dangers of false teachings and stay on this path of life and righteousness. Now in verse 20 of our passage, it says, thus by their fruit you will recognize them. And what he's doing here is he's using a metaphor to explain that a person's true character can be discerned by their actions and results of their life, just as a tree is known by its quantity and quality of fruit. 
In other words, Jesus is saying it's not merely enough for someone to claim to be a follower of God or a prophet of truth, but they must also demonstrate their fruits, tangible evidence of that claim, right? Their actions, their attitudes, their conduct. This includes things like kindness, honesty, compassion, love, and obedience to God's commands. That's how you know that they are true. By emphasizing the importance of fruit, Jesus is calling calling his followers to look beyond mere appearances and discern true character and intentions of those who claim to be spiritual leaders or guides. He's urging us to be wise, to be discerning, to, to carefully evaluate the teachings and actions of others and to judge them by their fruits. Overall, Jesus' statement about a tree being known by its fruits is a powerful reminder that true faith and true righteousness are demonstrated by the quality of our lives and the impact that we have on others rather than empty words and outward appearances. The call to live lives that bear good fruit and to seek out those who do the same. And so my hope for for you this morning, church, is that you would understand this warning in this passage, and I want to equip you uh, and help you to be able to identify and avoid false teachers who may lead you astray from the truth. The purpose of my sermon this morning is to emphasize the importance of knowing the Bible, discerning the Spirit, and evaluating the fruit of a teacher's ministry. And by understanding these principles, you're going to be better equipped to recognize false teaching, ultimately leading yourself towards a deeper understanding and relationship with God. I seek that God empowers you to become more confident in your faith and strengthen your ability to defend it against it for those who would seek to lead you astray. All right, I know that was a big intro, so let's get into it. Let's get into the meat. So with that being said, let's look at three ways to beware of false teachers in our passage. The first way to beware of false teachers is to, number one, know the word. Know the word. There's a tremendous importance of knowing the Bible and actually understanding what it teaches. There's so many self-professing Christians that just don't do it. They don't put in the work. They don't understand it. In verses 15 to 16 of our passage, Jesus warns his followers to beware of false prophets who come in sheep's clothing but are inwardly ravenous wolves. He goes on to say that we could recognize them by their fruits. And one of the key ways that we can discern a true character of a prophet is by examining their teachings in the light of God's word. So church, as we continue to consider this passage today, I want to emphasize the importance of knowing the Bible and actually understanding what it teaches. The Bible isn't just any book. It's the very Word of God inspired by the Holy Spirit, given to us for instruction, for correction, for reproof and training in righteousness. And as followers of God, it's not just enough to simply attend church and listen to sermons, but we must also be diligent in studying and meditating on God's Word for ourselves. And by doing so, we're going to gain a deeper understanding of God's character and his plans and his purposes for our lives. And we're going to be better equipped to recognize these false teachings when we encounter them. Moreover, when we know 
the Word of God, we can more effectively share the gospel with others and help them grow in their faith. We can point them to Scripture and guide them on their journey to discipleship. And so let's make that a priority, to know the Word of God, to study it daily, to meditate on its truths. Let us ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate our minds and guide us in our understanding so that we can discern from what is true and what is false, and live our lives according to God's perfect will. And as we do so, we can be confident that we are building a life that is on the firm foundation that will withstand the storms of life. The Holy Spirit is the ultimate lie detector. If something does not line up with the Word of God, it's not from Him. It's just not. Yet so many false teachers in the name of the Holy Spirit promote false teachings that clearly contradict the Bible. We have the prosperity gospel for one, right? This teaching suggests that God wants his followers to be healthy and wealthy, that financial success and physical health are the signs of God's favor. However, the Bible teaches something a little different that we should not love money, and that we will face trials and sufferings as followers of Christ. Many of these false teachers promote lifestyles of owning mansions and flying around in jets. And what's ironic is these false teachers are like counterfeit money. They look good on the surface, but they have no real value. They sound good to those who seek to satisfy their greed, to satisfy this appetite for living in abundance, but they have no real value. And these are the churches that we may have grown up with, that we may have grown up with listening to, whose worship songs we listened to or still listen to. We can't live in blissful ignorance, church. Many of these churches have scandals. And yes, scandals are terrible. Self-professing godly men abusing their power on the vulnerable is bad. And to add to that, they have false teaching. Deceiving masses and sending them on a path to destruction, on a trajectory to an afterlife without Christ. You know, it's sad. You know, Hillsong Church is known to be hosting every well-known false teacher in evangelicalism today. It's really sad. Bill Johnson has spoken there. They endorse Kenneth Copeland. They endorse Joel Osteen. They endorse Benny Hinn. And I believe that these are the types of churches Paul is referring to. These are the types of churches that use manipulation tactics to tickle our ears, to increase their numbers and their successes. They play to people's emotions, playing catchy music, even secular music sometimes. They organize these big productions, put the focus on everything else but God. They play into our emotions, encouraging spontaneous baptisms in a manipulative way. And one surefile way to know that something is off with the ministry is when you can't tell it apart from the world. When you can't tell the difference between a Super Bowl halftime show and a production church play, something's a little off. They not only look suspicious, but they sound suspicious. One of the churches taught that 
God broke the law for love. They taught that God broke the law for love. That is nothing further than the truth and is complete heresy from the pit of hell. The holy, perfect God of the universe did what now? Broke the law? Are you kidding me? But this is what these churches teach. For these false teachers, the word of God and the gospel itself is irrelevant and unrelatable to people, and they they try to dress it up with excitement, with emotion, what's popular in the culture. They appeal to the LGBTQ community. They appeal to social justice. And what's extremely troubling about all this is it leads people to believe that they're Christians because they like excitement, emotional, and cultural things, but the problem is that they don't know the actual gospel of Jesus Christ. Another false teaching outside of the prosperity gospel is the false teaching of universalism. This teaching suggests that all people will eventually be saved, regardless of their faith or lack thereof. But the Bible teaches something completely different to that. That salvation is through faith in Jesus Christ alone. There are many people out there that believe all roads lead to heaven. All religions, all beliefs lead to heaven. Where they consider God is so full of mercy and so full of grace that he will just allow all people to heaven. Certainly God is full of love and full of mercy. And it was these qualities that allowed him to send his son, Jesus Christ, to the earth to die on a cross for us. But Jesus is the exclusive door that leads to an eternity in heaven, right? We have Acts 4.12 that says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, There is one God and one mediator between God and men, that man, Jesus Christ. John 14.6 says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is speaking. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And so if we choose to reject God's Son, we don't meet the requirements for salvation. And with verses like these, it becomes extremely clear that universalism and universal salvation are unbiblical beliefs directly contradicts what Scripture says. Many people accuse Christians of being intolerant or exclusive, and what's important to remember is we're just saying what Christ said himself. You know, we didn't develop these ideas on our own. We're just stating what Jesus says. But people choose to reject this message because they don't want to face up to their sin and admit that they need a Lord to save them. To those who reject God's provision of salvation through his son is to belittle the holiness and the justice of God and negate the need of a savior, the need of Jesus to sacrifice his life on our behalf. It is literally spitting in the face of God. 
onto the next false teaching. There's moral relativism. Moral relativism. This teaching suggests that there are absolutely no moral standards at all from what is right and what is wrong. It's all determined by individual preferences or cultural norms. But the Bible teaches that there is an objective standard, that there is an objective morals and that are grounded in God's character and his word. The Bible is clear on sexuality, on homosexuality, on gender. There is no gray area. There is no spectrum. Yet we have churches that are embracing these ideologies and we need to call it out because they are deceiving the masses and those masses are growing more and more each day. These ideologies are infiltrating the church. They're infiltrating Christian school campuses and it is a tragedy to see. Churches have made it a mockery now to God, and they've allowed drag queens to come into church to be on the pulpit and preach. Acts 20, 29 to 30 says that fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, the church, and from among yourselves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. You see, Paul warns us of this in Acts. But yet, we have so many churches that have gotten it wrong. They're embracing these false teachings. Another one, and this is the last one I have here, is the false teaching on hyper-grace. This teaching suggests that once a person becomes a Christian, they are no longer subject to God's laws and they can just live however they please. But the Bible teaches something different. That while we were saved by grace, we're also called to live a life of obedience and a life of holiness. And it's funny because there was an understanding at one point that our church preached hyper-grace. So let me be clear, as I stated on this pulpit, we are a church that not only teaches the grace and forgiveness of Jesus Christ, but we also stress the importance of walking in the Spirit. We are called to live obedient lives, not in a legalistic way, but we are called to live in a a way uh, that is holy. Not to earn our way to heaven, but to do it out of an abundance of love for our Savior. That is the life we're called to. right? We have a new heart The old heart that was a heart of stone was replaced with a heart of flesh. It has new desires now to follow after the things of God. It has new desires to follow after Jesus. And any teaching that suggests that you can just live however you want after you get saved is a bad teaching. It reminds me of Judges 17 where it says, Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And God certainly brought his judgment on them. What makes you think he's going to change his mind now? So if you haven't heard about these false teachings before, or maybe you've seen these types of teachings on TV, now you know what they're called. You know, Hopefully that was helpful to you. And what's important is we need to be discerning, and we need to test all these teachings against the word of God to ensure that we don't be led astray. And, by, and, and we need to be discerning. 
when it comes to even our preaching here at this church. Always measure what I preach, what Pastor Ian preaches, what Elder Joel preaches, what a guest pastor preaches against the Word of God. Discern and test those teachings against the Word of God. Study the Bible and understand it so you can recognize false teaching. Develop a regular study habit of getting into the Bible, and this could, be, this could include setting aside a certain time of the day to read and study. Maybe you can use some resources like commentaries or study guides to help deepen your understanding. Attend Bible studies, life groups even, where we can discuss the Bible and learn from others, learn from their insights, from their perspectives. We can memorize key Bible passages that deal with theological doctrines and principles so that you can be better equipped to identify false teaching when you see it. We need to pray for discernment and for wisdom, asking God to help us understand his word and to protect us from false teaching. Ultimately, the goal is not just to have head knowledge about the Bible. Head knowledge is useless, but we need to allow it to transform our hearts and our lives. And so as we seek to understand God's word, may we be transformed by its truth to become more discerning, to become faithful followers of Christ. So secondly, in order to beware of false teachers, you must, number two, discern the Spirit. Discern the Spirit. The Holy Spirit has a role in helping us discern truth from error. In our passage, reading verses 17 to 18, Jesus, again, uses this analogy of a tree by its fruit to help listeners discern false prophets from true prophets. He says that a good tree produces good fruit while a bad tree produces bad fruit. So in the same way, false prophets produce bad fruit and true prophets produce good fruit. So how can we discern between the two? Again, one important factor is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity and he plays a key role in helping us discern truth from error. Jesus promised his disciples that when the Holy Spirit came, he would guide them into all truth, John 16, 13 says. The Holy Spirit helps us understand and apply the teachings of the Bible, and he gives us wisdom and discernment to recognize false teachings when we encounter it. In addition, the Holy Spirit produces good fruit in our lives as we follow him, right? Galatians 5, 22-23 tells us that the fruit of the Spirit are... Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And as we grow in our relationship with the Holy Spirit, we become more like Jesus and we produce these good fruit in our lives. This fruit is evidence of the Holy Spirit's work in us and helps us to discern, again, truth from error in the lives of others. Jude 1.4 says that false teachers crept in unnoticed They were condemned a long time ago, right? Meaning that they were not part of those whom God had chosen before the foundation of the world. But why were they unnoticed? Because there was a lack of discernment, a lack of reliance on the Holy Spirit. So as we seek to discern spirits and recognize false teachings, let us rely on the guidance and wisdom of the Holy Spirit. Let's cultivate a relationship with him through prayer, study of the Bible, and obedience to his leading.
We need to bear good fruit in our lives as evidence of the transforming work that the Holy Spirit is doing within us. 1 John 4.1 says, not to believe every spirit, but to test the spirits to see whether they're from God because many false prophets are in this world. So how can we do this? The Holy Spirit can help us do this in several ways, right? Firstly, the Holy Spirit gives us discernment, right? The Holy Spirit can discern whether a teaching is from God or from man. The Holy Spirit can give us a sense of unease when we hear a teaching alerting us to something that is just not right. The Holy Spirit, secondly, helps us understand the Bible. False teaching often distorts the meaning of Scripture, and the Holy Spirit can help us to understand the Bible more deeply so that we can recognize when someone's twisting its meaning. And then thirdly, the Holy Spirit illuminates truth. The Holy Spirit can reveal to us when we have what we have otherwise missed. And that means when we understand the Bible, we can understand that something is true even when we don't, when it's not immediately clear. The Holy Spirit gives us that illumination. And then lastly, the Holy Spirit empowers us to stand firm. When we encounter false teaching, it can be tempted to be swayed by it. However, the Holy Spirit empowers us to stand firm. Church, we must pray for discernment and listen to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. How do we do this? Make prayer, again, a regular part of your life. Don't just say you'll do it tomorrow, and you don't, right? What do we have to lose? I'm just going to take a sip of water. My voice is dying here. As you can see, I'm not used to this. Much better. <clears throat> so what do we have to lose? We've got to start doing it today. We've got to be praying, church. Remember that prayer is a two-way communication between yourself and God. And we should be listening to God's voice as well as speaking to him. Ask God to help us recognize false teachers when you encounter it. We should also seek guidance from the Holy Spirit. Listen to guidance from the Holy Spirit in your daily life. And that could include the Holy Spirit's guidance through prayer, through reading the Bible, through spending quiet time reflecting. Test everything against the Bible again. I want to remind you that the Bible is the ultimate authority for discerning truth from error. Whenever you come across a teaching that seems questionable, again, test it against what the Bible says. And then we must also be open to correction. That's a tough one for us to do because we can be prideful people. Be open to correction from others when you may be wrong. We all have blind spots, right? We're all human. And it's important to be open to the guidance of other, the others that can help us see things more clearly. We need to pray for discernment, seeking guidance from the Holy Spirit, testing everything against the Bible, being open to correction, so that we can develop a strong sense of discernment and avoid falling prey to false teaching. You know, discernment is not just about knowing what's right and wrong. It's about knowing what's right and almost right. I'm going to say that again. Discernment is not just about knowing what's right and wrong. It's about knowing what's right and what's almost right. So how do we beware of false teachers? We must Number one, 
Know the word. Number two, discern the spirit. And lastly, we must evaluate the fruit. Number three, there's an importance to evaluating the fruit of a teacher's ministry that I want to get into. You know, in our passage from verses 19 to 20, it says, Jesus says, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. This passage emphasizes the, important, the importance of evaluating a teacher's ministry. The fruit of a teacher's ministry doesn't just include the number of people who are converted or the size of the church, but also the character and the conduct of that teacher. A teacher who produces good fruit will obviously exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. But a teacher that produces bad fruit, on, on the other hand, will have people in their congregation who exhibit the works of the flesh. What are those works? Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, things like that. Evaluating the fruit of a teacher's ministry is important because it helps us to discern whether or not that that teacher is leading people to Christ or away from him. And it's important to note that evaluating the fruit of a teacher's ministry is not just a one-time event, but it's an ongoing iterative process. The fruit that is produced by a teacher's ministry may change over time, and so it's important to evaluate that fruit over time to ensure that there's still teaching the truth. So as we evaluate the fruit of a teacher's ministry, we should be aware of our own biases, our own prejudices. It's easy to be drawn to a teacher that tells us what we want to hear, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're producing good fruit. So we've got to be willing to objectively evaluate the fruit of a teacher's ministry, and we've got to be open to the possibility that we need to make some changes even in our own lives. So evaluating the fruit of a teacher's ministry is an important part of discerning truth from error. We've got to strive to evaluate the fruit of a teacher's ministry objectively, recognizing our own biases, our own prejudices that may influence our, the way we, we perceive them. And so by doing so, right, we can ensure that we are following good teachers who are leading us towards Christ and who are producing good fruit and so what does good, good fruit in a ministry look like, practically speaking? Well, it looks like this. We, we're going to see souls being saved and transformed, lives being transformed. We're going to see people growing in their faith and spirituality. They're going to be spiritually mature. We're going to see genuine love amongst believers. And we're going to see the fruit of the Spirit evident. What does bad fruit look like in a ministry? You're going to see division and conflict among believers. You're going to see the lack of growth and maturity, the lack of maturity spiritually. You're going to see legalism and emphasis towards outward appearances rather than the heart, the inner transformation. You're going to see manipulation and abuse of power, right? You're going to see false teachings and leading people away from the truth. 
So it's important to note that evaluating the fruit of a teacher's ministry shouldn't be solely on external success and popularity, but it needs to, be, needs to align its teachings of the, to the Bible and producing long-lasting spiritual fruit. So I ask you, church, to really sit down and take a critical look at the fruit of the ministries that you support. Make sure that you're supporting ministries that are bearing good fruit. This means evaluating those ministries, the, the actions and the impact that those ministries have on the lives of those it serves. And so how do we do this? Pray, pray for discernment. Ask the Holy Spirit to, to guide you in evaluating the fruit of the ministry. Study the Word. Get familiar with, with what the Bible says about false teachers and continue on what constitutes good and bad fruit. Do some research. Look into the history, the beliefs, the practices of the, the ministry that you're considering to help out. Right? Check their website. Check their social media pages, other sources of information. Do a background check. Talk to others. Seek out the opinions of other Christians in your lives, those who you trust and those who have experience with ministries, the ones that are in question. Examine the fruit. Look at the impact that that ministry is having in the lives of those people it's serving. Are lives being transformed by the gospel? Are lives being transformed for the better? Is that ministry promoting unity and love amongst believers? Be vigilant, church, in your support for ministries. Don't be swayed by, again, external experiences, by outward appearances, by popularity. Rather, we need to seek out these ministries that are bearing good fruit and support those ministries that do the work of God in this world. And so, as we conclude today's sermon and reflect on this sermon, Sheep and Wolves, on the warning to beware of false teachers on our passage, we're reminded, church, to be vigilant in our faith. Jesus' warning about false teachers is just as relevant to us today as when he first gave it. And there are those that would seek to lead us astray with false teachings and destructive practices. But Jesus is our great shepherd. Amen? He leads his sheep into righteousness, into life and life eternal. And we've been given the tools we need to discern truth from error, right? By knowing the word, by seeking the guidance of the Holy Spirit, by evaluating the fruit of a ministry, we can be confident, church, in our ability to identify and avoid false teaching. So let's be encouraged, right, to continue to study the word, pray for discernment, and evaluate the fruit of the ministries that we support. Let's not forget that we're not alone in this effort, right? The Holy Spirit is within us, guiding us and empowering us as we seek to follow Jesus and live out his teachings. Right? May we be a people who are known for our love of the truth, our commitment to the gospel, our vigilance against false teaching. And may we continue to grow in our faith, strengthened and sustained by the power of the Holy Spirit. So again, in summary, we've learned today three ways to beware of false teachers. To know the word, right? We must understand the Bible so that we can recognize when a teaching contradicts it. 
discern the Spirit. We must rely on the guidance of the Holy Spirit to help us discern truth from error. And then we must evaluate the fruit. We must look at the fruit of a teacher's ministry to see if it aligns with the teachings of Jesus and it produces good outcomes. And so by applying, again, these principles in our lives, we can protect ourselves from false teachings and grow in our faith. Church, let us be vigilant in our pursuit of truth, committed to following Jesus with all our hearts, with all our minds, and with all our souls. Let's pray. Dear God, we come before you today with grateful hearts for the truths that we have learned this morning, Lord, about false teachers and the importance of discerning, being discerning in our faith. We ask that you would help us grow in your word deeply so that we can recognize, Lord, when teachings contradict it. Lord, we pray for discernment and guidance from your Holy Spirit that we would be able to distinguish truth from error. And we ask that you would help us evaluate the fruit of the ministries that we support so that we may align ourselves with those that bear good fruit. God, we pray for wisdom, we pray for strength, we pray for courage to stay true to your word, to be steadfast in our faith. And we thank you for your love, your grace, and for your mercy, and we ask for your blessings on our lives and as we go out into the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that you were blessed by the sermon today. If you would like to learn about the gospel or know more about our church, please visit pluslifepeople.com. Remember to subscribe for more content. Until next time, stay blessed.